Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova, and we are rapidly approaching 200 episodes on this podcast. And I think we've actually hit more than 200 episodes with like the Monday micro doses and some things that I don't count with episode numbers, but it's to think of like 200, you know, full episodes, uh, is kind of blowing my mind as we started this thing three weeks ago. So I just wanted to share that. It feels like a really cool and big accomplishment. I don't know where this podcast is going. I've actually had thoughts about like reinventing it and re like changing it up uh, after I hit 200 and just like do a, like not necessarily a rebrand, rebrand, but a recreation um, and change directions, but I haven't decided. But if you're a listener and you listen to this for a while or you're new and you have some ideas, I'd love to hear them from you. I'd love to hear about like what you want more of or what you want less of, or or if you want to keep it the same or you want it different. Uh, and you can email me directly at alex at thedreammason.com. You can also find me on Instagram on Inspirational Alex, and you can shoot me DMs there. People do it all the time. I always respond. I love the interaction. I appreciate it. The good, the bad, all of it. I want to uh, touch really quick before I introduce our guest. Um, I like to do, I like to try new things. I like to innovate. I like to create new ideas and just see how they go. If you follow me on social media, something I've been doing recently is, you know that I have a, a wiener dog, a dachshund. You know I'm basically obsessed with this animal. She's obsessed with me. I'm obsessed with her. Uh, I don't have kids, so I don't have anything like that to obsess over. So it's pretty much like work and fun and my dog. But I noticed I learned a lot of lessons from, you know, my dog and just watching her interact in the world. Then I started a like a segment on my social media called Wiener Wisdom. And uh, the joke has been like, you know, I, you know, as a young man, I used to think with the wrong wiener and now I'm looking at a different wiener and thinking from it. But it's fun to just say, hey, I had this idea and I'm launching like lessons of wiener wisdom and we'll see if it works. You know, we'll see if like people are into it. When I say if it works, it's like, it's fun for me, but like, are people into it? Are people getting value? Cause that's ultimately my commitment provide value, provide, contribute to people's lives. And then I started, uh, I've been walking on the beach every morning, not every morning, like five days a week as a way to start my day. And I started taking like five minutes out of this hour walk and making a video, some thought or something I get from clients. And they're basically these beach walk talks, like one minute to three minutes, pretty short, pretty concise. I give people practices. Same thing there. Don't know if it's like really a thing for the long term, but it's something I've been, you know, repping now for I've probably done like 40 episodes of that. And 
I, I love the idea of just trying new th- things and throwing them out there before you're ready. Like I didn't plan the wiener wisdoms. I didn't plan the beach walks and talks. I'm just doing them and seeing what's happening. And I recently uh, got a new client in my business from the beach talks, which somebody started watching them. They were super into it. They liked the authenticity. They liked that it was just on the fly, no editing, no fanciness. And that was pretty cool because it was like, oh, we just, we don't have to have everything right. We don't have to have it all figured out. Sometimes it's like, have an idea, throw it out there and see what happens. And that leads me to introducing our guest because from what I've learned about him, he might not be as as rudimentary as I am in the just grabbing the camera and going, but he is a visionary. He is someone who's innovating, especially in his space and technology. He was named as a top 100 tech innovator and influencer. His background's in sales and marketing, and he's, wow, I'm, I'm getting blown up. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> um, and uh, he, um, I don't think that's ever happened before. I don't think my cell phone has ever rung as I've been recording before. So that's a first. And okay, so he's a top 100 tech influencer and innovator. He's created three companies um, and maybe more, but three that I know of. One is called Shoot and Share and it's a community. It's for photos. It's a lot for photographers. He also has a website called degree.com, which is when he explained it to me, it's it's really cool. It's like basically con- it's, it's contracts and payment in the same. It's like a DocuSign meets a swipe. And the one that I recently was playing with that I'm actually really intrigued to use in my life and my company, especially with all these videos I'm making is called warm welcome, which is like a video service. And we'll get into more of this and, and how he's coming up with these ideas and how he's taking idea and getting them to actual something tangible. Cause I think a lot of us have ideas and that's where we stop. Welcome to the dream Mason podcast, David J. How you doing, man? Great. Thanks, Alex. It's great to be here. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for coming on here. Thanks for sharing with me a little bit before we even started recording, like a lot of these things that you're up to. Can you give us, you know, how did you even, let's just give me, you know, some background. Like, how did you even get into this space of like, I'm a guy that creates technology that then actually becomes real. That's right. You're not just a guy who has an idea and it doesn't become anything. You create, you have an idea and then it actually is something. How did that happen? Yeah, well, I think most innovation comes from frustration and, you know, you're going through life and you're, you're just frustrated by like, gosh, why doesn't this exist? Or why do I need to go through all these steps to accomplish such a simple thing? And, uh, and so most products are that way. Somebody's just so frustrated that, uh, you know, they can't accomplish something or can't do it in the way they think they should, that they go through the, you know, the broken glass to actually bring that thing to life. I noticed that it's like really common though, even with me, I'm like such an idea person. I have ideas all the time. And most of my ideas, let's say 99% of them never become anything more than an idea. Mm-hmm. And I think thing. I actually do. I do a lot, right? I've been written yeah. books, I have podcasts, I'm doing all these things. And I'm saying 99% become nothing more. And so I would say the average person, it's like 99.99999% ideas stay as ideas. How have you been able to take ideas and actually make them, right? Like a warm welcome, agree, agree.com, shoot and share. Like, how are you, what's the process for you that takes an idea and makes it a reality? Yeah. Well, 
I think uh, a quote that comes to mind from a, a great marketer named Harry Beckwith, he says, the path to perfection only leads to procrastination. And I think this is why a lot of people, um, uh, well, I think it's one reason why you, even your videos, your real simple off the cuff videos are so powerful nowadays is because people aren't looking for perfection. They aren't looking for a produced professional video. They're looking for something personal, something authentic, something real. And, uh, and so to tie that back into how do you start a company? Well, get the idea of perfection or the idea of getting it right straight out of the gate, get that off the plate and just get started. Do one thing that helps you move in that direction. And, uh, warm welcome was, was a case study. So we weren't thinking it was going to be a business. We weren't thinking it was going to be, um, you know, what it is today on day one, uh, what we wanted to do is see how cheaply, how efficiently, how quickly we could start a company. So complete MVP, not a fully baked thing, not something we're going to go out and sell, but just something that is essentially a prototype. You know, a couple, just a couple of years ago, 2014 or 2015, started agree.com, cost a million dollars to get that product to market. And so our goal was to see, okay, five years later, how, you know, how much does it cost now? And we got a prototype to market in one month for 10,000 bucks. And that's approachable, right? That's something that, hey, if you have an idea, if you're, you know, thinking about something and you're like, well, shoot, could I invest 10 grand in it? And maybe a month of time, could I get this thing to a prototype stage? Because a prototype you can get feedback on, right? This is why Elon Musk, he gets up on stage and shows a prototype of a car, takes pre-orders, and then seven years later actually builds a car, right? Like that's, that's the way it works. Whether you're building cars or you're building tech is you don't have to have everything figured out. What you need is a prototype so you can get feedback. If there's a lot of good feedback, then go and build it because you already know that there's a, a market for it. What's the, the, I think the thing that stops so many people is they like get into the how of conversations, right? You have an idea like, warm welcome and then you go not you specifically but people are like but you know i'm not you're not you told me before this conversation you're not the tech guy you're not the programmer like the coding guy so often people would go man i have this great idea for like technology or business and then they go right to but i don't know how and then they're stopped and that doesn't seem like a thing that's impacted you right you don't get stopped at the how you somehow figure it out yeah. Is that something you're conscious of or is it, has it been just like a natural process? Oh, I think it's, it's definitely something I, I became more conscious of that with, with our team and with um, employees and I'll, I'll always tell them, don't get hung up on how, right? Like we'll figure out how along the way, right? We'll build this thing in, in iterative steps. We only need to figure out what our next step is. We don't need to know everything down the road, but there's a lot of self-awareness that, that goes on in those conversations, um, you know, through the whole room, because, uh, there's different personality types where that's their gift. That's their genius is, is breaking things down and understanding, you know, all the steps along the way. And so, you know, even though 
to me, that's frustrating. Like, I don't want to think about all that. I just want to get rocking on the new idea. Uh, those people are incredibly valuable and they're the ones that actually make things work down the line. And so, you know, a few years ago, I had to say, all right, I'm only going to be involved in my own companies until they reach a certain point. Then I'm going to hire a CEO and another team's going to run them because I'm actually a detriment to the company because I'm constantly innovating, constantly doing something new. Well, the same thing works on the other direction. I don't bring some of those how oriented people into the early conversations, right? Because it would be frustrating for them. They, they want to know, you know, every, how everything's going to play out. And in the early days, you just don't know. So you can't let that um, hang you up. I love that. Cause it sounds like you're really aware of your strengths and weaknesses and other people's, you know, like, Hey, I need the, my thing is to get it here. And then I'm going to like, let it go. I'm not going to control it. That's not my strength is not running this business. And what even sounds even better is it's not just that, you know, you yours, you're like aware of the teams, right? Like, Hey, let's not bring the how people in yet, or maybe let's not bring the tech people in yet or whatever. Right. But you're aware. And it's like a conscious, it feels like a, um, like you're a manager of like a baseball team, right? You have all these different people and it's like, wait, do I put in the right-handed batter with the left-handed pitcher? It's right. not just a random, like, Oh, I need to put in a new batter or a new thing. It's like very strategic and you know, your team's strengths and you utilize them. And what I really appreciate is like, everybody doesn't have to be good at every little thing. Like people mm -hmm. can be like, people can utilize their strengths and their weaknesses are fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I went through a program called Giant, and they have a thing called the Five Voices, which is um, it's a, a personality type, self awareness sort of exercise, but it's phenomenally powerful. And it's simple, it's packaged up, it's portable, it's something everyone can understand. It values every different personality for its, you know, its its good side and its bad sides. Nice. What? Um when you did that program, did you, what did you see? Like, what did you learn about yourself or the strengths and what were like the weaknesses that you saw? Yeah. So one of the things that drove me into this program is I was a year into my, my new marriage, things weren't going well. And, uh, my wife, uh, sat me down and said, you know, Hey, can I, can I share something with you? And of course I said, yes, not knowing what was coming. And she said, Hey, based on, you know, how I feel and what I'm hearing from people at work at, at the time we had an office in Santa Barbara, about 30 employees. And she said, you're a bully. I was like, come on, like ask anybody. I'm the, I'm the nicest guy. Like anyone in the community will say I'm a nice guy. You know, I, I pushed back on it. And, uh, and anyway, that was how she felt. And that was the way a lot of employees felt. And um, and so then I met, uh, this guy, Jeremy Kubitschek, he's the founder of giant and he kind of took me under his wing for a year. And I go back and forth to Atlanta and he, he mentored me for a year and what it unpacked was, um, you know, my personality type is this creative connector. So, you know, if you looked at it in terms of like the diffusion of innovation, you probably heard of that where it's like, you've got the innovators and early adopters and early majority, late majority, you know, you have this kind of bell curve of people. I'm way out on the fringe on the, on the 
kind of early side of all that. And that's, that's great. I'm going to see things early. I'm going to understand markets, you know, before they're mass markets. Um, that's, that's a positive side of a, of a creative downside to a creative is oftentimes nobody knows what they're saying. <laughs> like they don't, like people don't naturally understand, uh, you know, what's, what I'm thinking. And, uh, and that can be frustrating. And another downside to my personality type is that, um, because I'm kind of off in my own world, I'm doing my own stuff. I often won't bring up the challenges that are happening at work. I'll just get back to doing my own work. And then when things get bad enough, then I bring it up and I bring it up like the Hulk, you know, I turn green and just pound on people. Right. And, and just crush them. And that's what I was doing. That's what I was doing at home and at work was I was off in my own world, innovating and trusting that people were doing things, wasn't bringing up challenge along the way. And then when things would get bad enough, I just, you know, pummel somebody, not physically, but with my words, with my actions. And uh, it was creating kind of a, a bad environment, um, both at home and at work. And, uh, and so I've had to learn how to, how to calibrate challenge and, uh, I've had to know my tendencies. And once I know my tendencies, then, uh, I can bring up those things earlier on and help move people down the road, you know, not let them get away with crap, mm -hmm. but, um, challenge them, but just don't smash them for one little thing, uh, but bring it up. So you started this with your wife told you you were a bully. I'm assuming you're still, are you still married? I, I am luckily still married. So that's, okay. that's good. <laughs> that's pretty cool that she was able to tell you that and you were able to hear it and y'all were able to do something with it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about, let's talk about like some of these companies just to like touch on a little bit. Like, let's look at like warm welcome. Um, can you give us, you know, I looked at the website. People can go check out the website. It's pretty simple. It's warmwelcome.com. Um, and in, in basically what I saw is it's like, hey, it's a way to integrate video into all the layers of your business, your website, your, um, your emails. Why do you, why is this making a difference? Like why is putting video in like layered throughout your business, like changing things for people? It's, yeah, it's a huge advantage and, and we got really lucky and anyone that has any success at all, I think needs to recognize that so much of that is complete luck and timing, right? Like we're creating things, we're doing stuff, but when the wind's at your back and it's pushing your boat, like that's really the driver of it. And so for us, we were building this back in 2018, 2019, then you have the pandemic hit where everyone's forced to work from home. Every business is, you know, maybe has zero foot traffic. So they have to learn how to sell online. Well, that's what Warm Welcome helps you do is it helps you give that same in-person uh, sales experience through your website. And, and so that's the big driver is, um, you know, how do we create a personal trust building experience through the web? You know, and that's what everybody has to do these days, whether you're selling food, whether you're selling a, a purse, whether you're selling shoes, whether you're, it doesn't matter what you're selling anymore. You have to be able to do that through the web and your website needs to be more than just a portfolio. It needs to personally 
pull people in. And uh, the way that we've always done that in a store is with a sales rep or with like a clerk that's behind the desk. You walk in the store, they greet you, they give you a warm welcome. You know, look at Apple, look at Walmart, look at like every single little mom and pop shop has someone sitting there say, hey, what can I do to help? And then you go on the internet and it's cold and there's no people. It's just products. It's just pictures, right? And so we're trying to bring people back into that because that's, that's how we build trust. And that's how we make sales. I just thought of something that is kind of funny. So when you walk into like a little mom and pop or even like a Walmart or, you know, an Apple, there's a, the people typically aren't awkward, right? Like you don't walk into a mom and pop store and it's like hiding behind something like kind of sheepishly waving their hand over like, hi, all scared. That'd be really weird. Right. Typically it's a, it is a warm welcome. Not always, but you know, that's the idea. And um, and we even train it, right? If we're opening a business, we train people how to be hosts. We train people how to, you know, warm welcome people. Yeah. And then when you look at video, I think I'm pretty comfortable in front of the camera. I think for whatever reason, like I'm not a still photography person, but video, I'm very, I feel very comfortable. And I even noticed that when I started doing more and more video or when it was just the camera and me and I was recording my first course, I got like stiff and a little awkward and over time it became better. But then there are people that are not themselves, right? If you put them in a storefront, they would be like totally normal and totally natural. And you throw a camera in front of them and ask them to create a, like a, a welcoming video. And it's like, you get awkwardness, you get a robot, you get performance. <laughs> and I would say that doesn't help your, right? That's not going to help your brand or your business. How do you, does, does warm welcome, do you help people with that too, right? Because if I brought you in and was like, hey, I want you to do this. And then I'm like a freak show on camera. How do you, how do you bridge that gap and get me to show up as like my natural honest, caring, you know, real self and not this like, you know, the self that doesn't, isn't going to work on camera. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. It's, a, it's another thing that the pandemic really helped because everyone's at home, right? I mean, you probably heard my kids screaming in the background a few minutes ago. We've gotten more used to um, these types of interactions, whether it's a recorded video or, you know, a live video being authentic and real. And it's like, Hey, we're all going through this world trying to do the best we can with uh, lots of craziness going on. Uh, but that's what has gotten broken down in um, I think in culture is this expectation of perfection on video. You know, this overly scripted professionally produced video is actually less powerful than a personal authentic real video. Now the, the personal thing that I think a lot of people go through is that we click on the camera, we start recording. And in that moment, who are we thinking about? We're thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about the value we can add to the other person. We're thinking about how do I look? How do I sound? It's all about me, 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 right? Which that's the worst type of salesperson anyway. So if that's what you're doing, like you need to learn that your business isn't about you. This video isn't about you. The products and services you create aren't about you. They're about helping somebody else, you know, solve a problem that they have. And when you do that, you're going to make more sales. When you do that, you're going to create more value. You're going to, you know, separate yourself from a lot of the world that is so self-focused, self-consumed, you know, that, that, that they won't go on video or they won't, you know, get outside of their own box. 
It's so true. And it's so funny, the things that we see in ourselves in the video, right? Whether it's a live recording, like I don't watch, I don't rewatch my videos before I post them because they'll never be good enough, right? If I rewatch them, yeah, maybe once yeah. in a while, it's like, oh, I hit that one out of the park. But like nine out of 10, I'm going to go, I could have said that better. I could have said it shorter. I could have said it faster. I don't like the angle. I don't like the way I look, whatever. Right. Um, and I, I love that you said like, even during, right? I try even often not to even like stare at the camera, right? Like I'll, I'll look around, like I'm, I'm, I do, I love when I'm doing them when I'm walking and talking, cause then I have to be kind of, and it's like a strategy to keep me not from like focusing in. Cause what do we do when we focus in on ourselves, right? We see like what we don't like, typically it's just how we're trained. Um, so I've developed like, Hey, you get like two takes, right? If I like bumble my words or something like I can start again, it's not like I got to do it one time and it's a disaster, but like you get two takes if you don't hit it that time, like you have to hit it the second time. There is no choice. It's yeah. just not going to be perfect. I love that. Um, and to your point, when I shared in the beginning that somebody somebody hired me recently from, from the interactions for my videos, one of the things they said is they're like, you're so authentic. Mm-hmm. And it had I had had that conversation right after a video that I like burped in the middle of recording. And I, th- I don't know if I've talked about this on this podcast before, but... And I, and I remember when I burped while I was recording, right? Totally natural human function. I'm recording. I'm in the middle of a conversation. I burp and I, I turn away from the camera. I burp, I turn back and I'm like, fuck, excuse me. Sorry. And my brain rapidly is going, you got to cut that out. You got to take that out. You got to take the burp out. You got the whole thing. And I just went, who cares? Right? Like, I'm not going to make that the end of my email (laughs) signature, but on a social media video and it it reminded me and the person knew that video and they were like oh i loved that video because you could tell it was real right like most people would edit that out how do we get how do we get people to have that confidence like i I think i've just done it through like repetition and, and writing a book and putting myself out there and getting so much feedback that i just don't care anymore right i've like worked that fear out but so many people are afraid of that, right? When they're doing these videos, like, oh, but like, look at my jaw or my nose or my eyes. And, and I don't know how to speak eloquently. How do we, how do we make it okay for them not to be perfect? Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, we, we've, uh, we're seeing the downside to social media, right? You know, 10 years, 15 years ago, <clears throat> the, all these social media things came out. And we're like, oh, this is great. It's connecting everyone. But what we've seen is it's created a <laughs> entire culture of people that is just comparing themselves to everybody else. And, yeah. and that sucks. Like that's super damaging to our society. And I, I think we are going to see the repercussion of that kind of flow out because we're all about like, how many likes do I get? Or does, do, do people like me? Like with this really insecure generation that is more about them and how many likes they're getting and how much value they're adding. And I think when, like, like what you're saying, when you can forget about that, you can say, Hey, it's not that I, I don't care anymore, but it's that I care more about the person on the other end of the conversation than myself. That's when people really start to make a a difference and impact. And um, and I think we need to start to have the conversations. I loved it. I love that you brought it up because it's tough. It's, it's tough to get our minds off of ourselves uh, and on other people. But, um, but that's probably the biggest, 
the biggest challenge is, hey, who, who are you in business for? Is it for you or is it for your customers? You know, that's, it's pretty easy to, to answer that. Um, I want to talk about taking a company now, like from the idea to building it to you shared with me before we started, like you're in the process of potentially selling one. Um, as like a startup, as a founder, what's that experience been like? Like the, from like start, you know, one to 10. Yeah. I mean, it can be brutal. Uh, you have to be somewhat of a masochist to start companies to be like, you know, uh, uh, to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur on any level, but like, I'm kind of a serial startup guy. Like I like the zero to 1 million stage. Once it's past a million, it's boring. It's like, I don't even want to be involved in, in my own companies anymore because they don't move fast enough. There isn't as much uh, energy and ideas and innovation um, happening. It's, you, you got to focus on finance and ops and you know community and culture and all these sorts of things, which are good and important, but aren't in my, um, they, I, I don't naturally go to those, right? So that's what I've learned is, hey, I, I need to stick to the beginning stages, get something. This is kind of our rough shot of like, hey, when it's, when it's doing a million bucks in recurring revenue, like we're pretty certain we found product market fit. We need to stop spraying and praying and we need to start like moving it on what's working. And, uh, and so that's a different, a different group when you just thought made me think of something while you were saying that, which is you shared with me before we started, you have a family, what then you shared, you you know, you're married, but you have kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that it takes some courage or some, some, some risk, right. To like be in the business you're in. It's one thing if, Hey, you, you started a PayPal and you sold it and now you're worth millions and millions and like, Hey, your family's fine. Right. That's not most, I don't know your financial situation, but that's not most startups, right? You're not, everybody's not becoming a millionaire overnight. A lot of people are people that, Hey, they're putting their butts on the line. They're risking, they're taking chances. And that in my mind, like that requires like some pretty cool um, partnership with your partner that, Hey, your wife is on board on this journey, not knowing like, Hey, are we going to make money on this thing or not? And like, I mean, she's invested in you. How do you, how do you two juggle that conversation? Like as a, as a family, as a partnership? Yeah, that is, it's tough. And, you know, we're in the last year, I think partially because of the, the pandemic. I mean, look at the divorces that are happening. I mean, people are splitting up all over the places. It's a tough thing. And, and so if you're trying to, to start a company in the midst of, a very volatile season. It, it's hard and startups are, they're volatile by nature. So, um, you know, we got married right as uh, we were starting Agree. And we thought it was just going to be this immediate home run. And it was, you know, done, done this before and have a huge community of people we can introduce it to. And it did not play out that way. Like it was, it was one of the simplest products but one of the most difficult businesses and that um, it, it really got difficult and, you know, it's stressful at home, stressful at work. 
Um, and it is a, it is a partnership, you know, even though we have a, a really traditional kind of family where she's spending more time with the kids and I'm doing more stuff at work, like the, the stress is there. And whether it's her, her stress with the kids or my stress, you know, at work, it's like when we're together, you know, it compounds and it's hard to, um, it's hard to separate it, you know, cause when you're starting something and you're founding something, you don't get to disconnect from it. Right. Like you get a phone call and you know, there's a lawsuit and you get a phone call at 6 PM and someone's suing you. It's like, you don't just be like, Oh, cool. Like, I'll I'll deal with it later. <laughs> like, no, that way wears on you. And you have to go through these things at nine at night, 10 at night, all night sometimes. So, um, I think the, the important thing there is that, um, you take the time to understand what the other person's going through because their stress and anxiety and whatever is, is real. And whether that's being caused by a kid screaming or someone suing you, like that's real and having empathy for it and understanding for it is, um, is hard because again, we're selfish people. And I think my stress is worse than somebody else's and it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's no different. It's real for them. And, um, the more we can just engage as humans, the, the more likely we are to get through those times, I think. How do you two do that? Like as a, as a couple, you know, when you are having, you know, these intense moments of, you know, like it doesn't have to be that you're getting sued. Right. But it just could be like, Hey, we're in a, we're in an intense moment in the development of a company and there's a lot of balls in the air. And I, as you know, as the founder creator, you're involved in all of them. And yet you have kids in a, in a, in a marriage. Do you have any, like, you know, I shared it during this, like I walk on the beach, like every morning, it's a way that I can separate myself from my work. It's a way that I can like decompress, get grounded, um, get my mind out of everything. Are there things that you do either with your wife or with your kids to connect in those areas or things that you do to support you? So it's not a 24 seven, you know, operation. Yeah. In, in those times, especially the biggest thing for us is to, um, do things that remind us that, that we're both responsible and in control of our decisions and our future. Cause in those times you feel out of control, right? I think that's why the pandemic has screwed so many people up because they felt out of control. Like I'm not in control of my world anymore. And, and so doing little things, whether that is taking, you know, part of the day off and just saying, Hey, we're just going to get away from it and we're going to connect and we're going to talk. Um, that's one way to do it. It's like, uh, I had actually a, a mentor of mine say, whenever you feel out of control, just take part of the day and go watch a movie. And it's a funny, mindless, stupid, completely unproductive thing, but you are saying, Hey, I'm going to choose to go do this instead of all these things that I think I should be doing. And it can switch your state really quickly. Um, the, the thing that we remind ourselves of Allie and I, my wife and I is like just the need for grace in those times, because that often goes out the window and 
I'll snap at her or, you know, she'll do something that upsets me or whatever. And if we, if we spiral on that, uh, that then makes everything worse where we can choose to have grace with people and just let it go. Say, Hey, they're having a bad day. They just went through hell and back with two little kids or he just went hell and back with work and all sorts of stuff. So it's not personal. Let's just, let's move on from it. Like a lot of that stuff can just get diffused. Um, but that's not a, a common thing. Like we like justice more than grace in our world. And so that's something that uh, we try to actually vocalize and just say, Hey, we're going to need a lot of grace in this time. We're going to need to like, you know, deal with this stuff in a way that isn't um, we're not making it worse. We're, we're letting it go and forgiving each other. Love that. I haven't heard somebody say that. Like we like justice more than grace. And it's an interesting idea. I've never thought, I've never like actually thought about that. Like, I guess I practice it and, you know, someone cuts you off and, and I'm the person in the car who's like, like I'm the person who, let's say you were driving and I'm sitting in the passenger seat and someone cut us off and you got pissed. I would turn to you and go, Hey, nothing happened. Yeah. People are always like, what do you mean? Nothing happened. They almost hit us. And I'm like, yeah, but think about what you just said. They almost, right. Nothing actually happened. What happened was there was a movement, you got scared and you had a reaction, mm -hmm. but we didn't get hit. Nothing actually, there was no actual thing. There was just like <laughs> a whole lot of meaning that got made in a situation. Right. And I don't ever think of that as grace in the mm -hmm. sense of like, hey, just let it go. Like who, it's fine. Somebody, they felt the need, they didn't see us, they had to rush, whatever it was. And other people are like, no, but they need to know they were wrong, right? Like mm -hmm. there's that justice component. And I think, yes, there's space. I love the idea that like, hey, there's actually space in our society for both. Like as a society, we have to have some rules and some, I don't know if it's justice, but we have to have some like consequences right. to some things to keep. Uh, otherwise, right? Like people are often like, you know, freedom is about being able to do whatever I want. No, mm. like if everyone did whatever they wanted, we wouldn't have freedom. <laughs> We'd have chaos. Right. There's like, you know, what makes people free is that we all agree to some like boundaries that we stay in. And then as long as we stay in those boundaries, we're basically free. Yeah. And now that's that in the world we're living in now, that's a little misconstrued, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody, everybody has their own version of freedom. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you, that what you're saying is like, hey, in a lot of these situations with our employees, with our kids, with our wives, with our husbands, um, out in the world, we don't need to be teaching people lessons all the time. Mm -hmm. We can, we can actually just go, Hey, I'm just going to let that go. Mm -hmm. Like who cares? It's not, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't know that it was my job to be like the teacher to the world and teach <laughs> and go around teaching people lessons. And it's exhausting too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We put so much on ourselves that we don't need to, right? Cause that person that cut you off, like they're over it. <laughs> it's not bothering them the rest of the day, but you know, we might be pissed off in the car and like mad the whole rest of the day. Cause someone flipped us off on the freeway and it's like, gosh, we got to get over like being offended by all these little stupid things that happen and just get on with our life. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Like we're not, we're actually focused on, I say this a lot. We're focused on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. You know, people are, um, it's like really common right now. Um, people are um, 
focused on they're upset about things they can't control. Like for instance, and some people don't like that I say this, but if you're cons- if you're upset about how much gas costs, <laughs> I don't care if you have a fleet of vehicles, you're focused on the wrong thing mm-hmm. because no matter what, you don't get to control the price of gas. Right. So it doesn't matter who the president is. Like I remember growing up, gas was like a dollar a gallon. So no matter who the president is, because the presidents keep going back and forth, the price of gas ultimately just keeps going up, right? It's a limited resource. That's what happens. So if you're focused on and upset about the price of gas, you're wasting energy on something you have no control over. You could be focused on how do we generate more sales so the price of gas is irrelevant, Mm -hmm. right? We could do the same thing with if you don't like, right, like I live in Southern California, you pay a lot of taxes here. I used to live in New York City. You paid even more taxes there. You could be focused on, I hate all these taxes, or you could be focused on how do I make more money so the amount that I give away is actually, have to give away is actually irrelevant. Now, there's a lot, you don't have to, right? That's not the right way. I'm not saying my approach is right. I'm just saying I can't control taxes, mm-hmm. right? No matter what I do. I mean, I guess I could not pay them and move to another place, but everywhere there's going to be a consequence, right? There's something that comes with anywhere you live. And so if I focus on what I can control, which is generating business, creating more value, putting things out into the world, well, then I don't, I can actually have my attention and my energy on the things that serve me, not on the things that make me feel shitty. Yeah. Oh, it's such, that's such a good lesson. You know, it's, if we, if we focus on the things we can't control, like we'll be miserable and I, I see it, you know, up here in Oregon a lot because we're one of the most locked down places and there's a lot of really angry people up here because they feel like they're not in control of their day and what like gosh the kids can't go to school they can't open their business you know blah 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 and it's like well hey stop bitching about it and go do something like like go show yourself that you're in control you can move if you want or you can go and violate the mandates if you want like but do something that changes your state. Cause I don't know why, but there is something funny about a lot of people. You and I are not these people, but a lot of people, they almost like misery. Mm-hmm. I used to be one of those people. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you're not anymore. Cause it's, it's weird. It's like, it's somewhat bonding. I think mm-hmm. like misery loves company. Right. And I'm like, dude, hell no. Like, I'm, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to sit in that for very long. I just, to me, it's, yeah, I can't do it. My, one of my mentors, when I first started kind of my personal growth journey, made shared the example of we've all been in a store before and like the lines are taking a long time, right? For whatever reason, that's very right. And someone in the line turns to the other people in the line and they're like, this is ridiculous. Why is this taking so long? And then someone else turns and goes, it always takes forever here. The customer service is terrible. And then someone else goes, I, you know what? This is my last time coming here. And now all these people are friends, right? They've all bonded <laughs> over this common enemy of things are taking yeah. too long. Now, this whole conversation doesn't speed anything up, right? It's everything's the same. They've just bonded over like what's wrong. And what's funny too about it is none of them are providing solutions. They don't have any solutions. They actually don't even know the, they could be like, hey, they should, people are like, they should have more people working here. Maybe, but you don't actually know what's happening to your point, like behind the scenes. You don't know what people are going through. Maybe they're short staffed because somebody's family member died and they're out for the day or somebody got sick. Who knows what happened? Um, 
But I, 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 when I heard that example, I was like, man, that is such a true, like such a true statement of we love bonding over what's wrong, our complaints. We mm-hmm. love complaining about everything. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think like what you do in your business specifically is like you create things. So complaining doesn't actually work. But if you hear a complaint, then it's like, Ooh, what do I do with this? How do I make a give a complaint a purpose or, or shift something? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do something productive. Like yeah. it's okay to acknowledge that something is frustrating or upsetting, or you want something to be better, but don't live in that. What do you, um, I know that you, um, you have a, a giveaway of some warm welcome that you want to give to listeners. Um, tell us about that. What, what is, what do you, what are you generously, you know, giving to the listeners? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'd love to kind of hook some people up if they're interested. Um, you know, warm welcome is, uh, something that, I mean, we think if you have a business, you're probably trying to transition and sell it online. And so, um, we have lots of ways of helping people do that. Uh, and so, you know, I think we talked about giving everybody three months, uh, mm-hmm. or something like that, but if people get started quick, we double it. So if they want to hop in right away and, uh, get maybe one of our video bubbles on their website in the next month and give us some feedback, um, you know, we could give them six months of, you know, free video emails. You got these, um, interactive engaging videos that you can embed right in your website on your contact page or a little warm welcome video bubble where you can engage with people, um, right through, you know, your homepage. So there's a whole bunch of stuff, uh, that, that it can do. How do you Uh, want people, how do you want people to stay there interested in this or they want to be, they want this. If they just want to, um, sign up and mention, you know, mention you or the podcast, then we can uh, send them a code um, or we can send you the code and, uh, and they can come to you and, and grab that, which whatever you want is fine with us. Um, Cause um, I'll have them, we'll have them, we'll send them to you. We'll okay. send them to uh, do you, where do you want them to go? Is it an email address or just like. Just warmwelcome.com. Yeah. If they just create an account and then if they want to send a message in through our video bubble, they could send a video, they could send audio or text message, whatever they want. Okay. And, and mention, say, mention me, Alex Ternova or this show, the dream Mason podcast. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. I mean, I'm definitely, I want to do it. <laughs> I want to see what, you know, I just would love to see, I've been running a website that's been up for a while. Right. And I'd love to see like, Hey, what happens if there's, there's a pretty consistent flow of people that pass through my website. Right. So like, Hey, if we made a change, we don't know what's going to happen until we do something different. Mm-hmm. So if we made a change, we'd see pretty quickly, you know, in, a, in six months, at least you offered, we'd see, Hey, is there an uptick in, in the length people stay on the website and do they actually interact more with the website? Do they actually reach out more? It'd be interesting to see. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah, we just, you, we, you bet. We just added these impression stats because, um, as you know, trust is built over time. And when someone first comes to your website, uh, you know, for them to see you or someone from your staff smiling and waving at them, that impression alone starts to build trust, starts to personalize your brand, personalize the relationship. And, and so it's not something that you have to do every day. You don't have to go there and ground and pound on these video emails. 
you record a video in 20 seconds, put it on your website, you know, that just greets people. Just like Apple, when you walk into an Apple store, the first thing you get is somebody welcoming you to the store. They call it a warm welcome. Yeah. And that changes the relationship. It builds trust. It brings value to the brand. And so, you know, a lot of the stuff is tough to, to measure in terms of, um, you know, did it actually relate to the sale? But uh, we're pretty confident. And I think most people would agree that by, um, by adding these types of personal components to your website, you know, if someone goes to the contact page on your website, do they get a form where they feel like a number and they have to fill out all these things or they get a video of you sharing with them what the experience is going to be like of working together, right? Completely different ball game. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's tons of different things. We love to strategize. So, you know, we love to set up strategy calls with people if they are like, Hey, I've got this business or that business. Like we just had someone yesterday sign up. They teach knitting classes online. I mean, awesome, right? Like how cool is it where you can make a business teaching people how to knit? Like that's awesome. <clears throat> you know, we've got all sorts of really wild and random businesses. And that's, that's the fun of it is, hey, what are you passionate about? How can we help you, you know, own your network and talk to your network and communicate better and build trust? Like it's, so it's like, it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. Essentially this works for everything. What, as we kind of get to the end of our time together, um, is there anything that you want to leave the audience with anything that I haven't asked you that you want to say or, or share? You don't have to, but I like to give people a moment to do that if they want. Sure. You know, based on kind of what we were chatting about earlier, I think, uh, one of my dad's quotes comes up. So my dad sat me down when I was 16 and said, David, if you make your business about helping other people, you'll always have plenty of work. And that is, I think, um, something that, you know, we were talking about even just in recording videos or doing marketing or, or whatever. It's like, if we can get our focus off of ourselves and onto the other person and the problem that they're trying to solve, talk less about our product and more about the problem that the customer is trying to solve, um, show empathy for that problem and the pain and frustration that they're going through. Um, our businesses will do better. And I think work is more fun because we're more connected and we're contributing, we're giving, we're doing all the things that actually bring life. Uh, and so if I was to finish out on anything, it'd probably be that. I, I love what your dad said. Um, I want to remind everyone, hey, go check out Warm Welcome. It's easy as it sounds, warmwelcome.com. Uh, David, are you on social media? Can people follow you? I, I am, but I'm actually moving off of it. And Good for you. <laughs> this is, yeah, for some of the reasons we talked about, but also yeah. because right now, social media is owning the network, yeah. right? So all your contacts, all, your ability to communicate with people is somewhat reliant on social media, right? Same with podcasting. Like, sure. you know, if you have 10,000 people listen to your podcast, how many of them do you know who they are? Do you have any contact information? Almost yeah. none. And yeah. so I'm going back and, and I think there's a revolution happening in direct to consumer communication, right? Mm -hmm. We've been starting, you know, over the last 10 or 20 years, direct to consumer 
from business product to consumer use has happened, but now communication is switching. We're getting off social media and talking directly to our customers. And uh, I think there's, there's a big tide that's happening in that world. And uh, Warm Welcome wants to help podcasters, authors, businesses do that. It's like, hey, your network is your net worth, which is a, a quote from Tim Sanders. And, uh, and so that's really important that you start to own, own your network again. I love that. Um, well, there's two things. One, yes, they own your network. And then what I've seen actually recently too, from a friend who has a huge, um, like even her email list isn't as powerful because of the way like algorithms are run. Right. So she has a huge email list, but her emails can't get to where they need to go because Google has a big say over that. And right. People think things are spam that aren't spam. And, um, I love the idea of like, Hey, going back, like there's things that worked for a long time, like phone calls. Mm-hmm. There's things that worked for a long time, like, uh, like actually writing regular handwritten mail. Now I know it takes more time, but it actually has more impact than just like this big email blast. Um, that may or may not get where they're going, but I, I like what you're saying. I'm also not a, somebody asked me if I could make one change in my life the other day, what would it be? And I would be, I was like, not on social media. And it wasn't about like what I put on social media. It was like, I just, it's like, it feels like a web that you get tangled up in that just isn't of service. Um, it's not making us better as a society. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, I think, you know, in so many ways, this there's value in like certain things, but overall it seems like it's, it's doing a lot of, mm-hmm. I just think on a personal level, it's, it's, it's distracting us from a lot of things that we need. We need our energy and our love and our, our thoughts focused on. Um, yeah. David, thanks for being here. Um, Thanks for sharing with us. You know, your, your, your visionary aspects, your creative aspects, um, telling us your strengths and your weaknesses. I love that, that you just came on. You're like, Hey, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. This is how I run my teams. Um, and thanks for like really getting into that conversation with me about like how we take things, like actually getting out of the how and going, Hey, this is how things go from ideas to actual fruition. Um, I want everyone to go check out Warm Welcome. You can get six months for free if you reach out to them and mention that you heard about it on either from Alex Terranova or the Dream Mason podcast. And uh, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for your time. And thank everyone, you. You're welcome. And everyone listening, uh, who do you know that needs to hear this episode? Who is a person who runs a business that's been struggling and hasn't been able to connect? Maybe they need Warm, warm Welcome. Maybe they need to hear some of the things David and I were talking about around like getting out of complaints and into action, but who's that one person? Please share this episode with them and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at Inspirational Alex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.